Yeah, I'm not very good at selling coins that I like holding. So, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just holding. I've got it in. I've got it in liquid staking. Um, so, so, like, I think that's. I think that's earning way over what um, what staking is. So it's like it's like six percent or something, but it was as high as like twenty percent over the last couple of months. So that's been pretty nice. Um, and then I'm, I'm currently using it. I think I put a strategy up that I'm doing the other day where I'm I'm lending it on Dimex Exchange. You can lend Amp Kuji. And then I've borrowed a load of milk tier um, to farm uh, milk tier, uh, Milky Way points. What was that? Um, okay. Um, why, why do I even ask? It's like, it's like, I get it. You're doing some degen stuff. Um, milk, milk tea is like milk tea is like uh, it's just an LSD of tea, of uh, Celestia, okay. um, and like but it's like from this like protocol called Milky Way, and they don't have a token yet, so they I, I guess they're kind of like Stride, but they don't have their own chain. Nope. Um, but like if you if you like holding their LSDs and you're using them in DeFi, so I'm then lending that milk tea in Mars protocol. Um, so like then then yeah you're earning like points for for a future airdrop basically, um, so that's what I'm doing with my Kuji currently, and then I've got I've got like a I've got like a third state and then two thirds liquid states. It wouldn't um, and then I've got it like, wouldn't shock me if Kajira like goes back to high within like I don't know like the next twenty four hours or even the next couple of days. It's it moves aggressively when it starts to go because it's like such a relatively small like relatively illiquid thing yeah so, yeah i mean it is pretty illiquid right because it's not on mm -hmm. it's not on exchanges right it's on mex so. c so there's pretty like if you need to buy a lot of it that's where you get it so when i had to i don't know about that you see the spike if you look i i, I don't trade on mex c but I'm, I'm pretty sure if you look at mm -hmm. the mex c it's not that deep but like, uh, it's deeper than going to fin though you think i think so? so yeah like when i was look when i was trying to make trades i was like jesus the slippage on Finn was like brutal. So, because I bought a lot um, of Kijir, I don't remember what price it was, somewhere around here. I had a bunch from old Terra days, right? And then I added, yeah, so I, I doubled my bag, like whatever I got from those airdrops plus like transferring the old tokens to the new chain, whatever that is, I doubled that in terms of cash value. Uh, so my Kajira position now is like I chased it and it's a lot bigger. It ought to be <laughs> like anyway. So because I figured like if I this thing goes, let's say five billion market cap, which is very, very feasible for an L1, then we're talking about kind of like a 10x from here. And then looking at FIB extensions from where we are now, like assuming that like five dollars and fifty eight cents was the top, you've got like twelve dollars, eighteen dollars and thirty four and I think that three levels above this, about 34 is a pretty good target. That puts us, I think, close to that 5 billion market cap or something along those lines. So um, I felt like that was a good target. And I don't have mine staked because I bought a bunch specifically to actually sell the thing if I need to. Um, yeah, like I wasn't planning on round tripping it necessarily because it's so illiquid. The thing is, someone's going to dump on our ass. And the problem is, is like, 
that doesn't make sense to not at least sell some of it and then buy it back lower at some point. So I think what would happen is typically at um, the way these coins run typically is they'll run like one, two, three, like the last time I think it ran like four fib extensions, something like that. So these small cap coins um, do this, they'll go like maybe several. So you'll think, oh, it's going to stop at a um, billion dollar market cap. No, it just keeps running and running and running. It'll go all the way to like five billion. It'll do this sort of thing within like the year. I mean, it really moves a lot. So I figured like if it goes up really quickly, this is the basic thesis for these layer ones. If your move is really fast, um, take, for example, Kajira's run from like, I don't know, it broke out at a, a dollar or something and it runs to like five dollars. If it runs up really fast, then it tends to pull back fairly aggressively. So it pulled back to like 280 or something. If it uh, goes, you know, sideways slow and steady for months and months at a time and, and climbs very you know, slowly, then you're not going to get like the mega dumps. So the way you can look at it is if you get a gigantic move, like three extensions up, which would be like $33 Kuji or 34 or something, then you sell it and then you attempt to get you know, back some of it lower or something like that. So, um, you know, that, and that's a reasonable strategy because if you like if the way these levels work is there, there's a huge gap between each level. So like if you, if it goes to 34, like odds, it drops to like 18, 60 or something again is very high. Like the, the magnitude of the drops, obviously, if you, if you get used to this is quite extreme and you could drop two levels, like $33 all the way down to 12, for example. And if that happens, then you basically have a you know phenomenal buy at that point. Um, you know, like after you have sold some off the top, or like maybe you sell some of it, and let's say twenty percent at least, and then try to buy it back lower. And if it doesn't go lower, and you know you just simply don't, you're not able to buy back. Who cares? You're, you're up in the green. You took some profit off the table, whatever, and now you can go play somewhere else with it, or maybe like play with an ecosystem token or whatever. There's always something new every month, right? Like it's not a big deal to. Don't even tease me with $36 Kuji. No, I think it's almost certain. Like in, in this, in this market, the way the bull market looks this time with this ETF thing, I, th I really think that's, it's actually quite a rational target. It actually, that might be undercutting it. Actually. If you think about how high these L1s went last cycle, I mean, these things went to like fucking like, you know, $5 billion was just nominal. Everything went to $5 billion, uh, as far as credible L1s. The, and then beyond that, like the, the crazy numbers, more like $10 billion were fairly common as well. So I'm just saying like 34, that level would be like the odds are high of getting there. And the odds you'd be able to sell at that level are pretty good. And if you want to have a bag that you leave to like, you know, I don't know, maybe it goes to crazy numbers. Okay, fine. But um, I, I like if you look at the flows in the market right now, the amount of cash flow coming in, in those Bitcoin ETF things and whatnot is obscene. It's just like this is this is this time is different, quote unquote. Like you know, like last time it was all just pure leverage and nonsense. It was like Genesis, DCG, and Three Arrows, and everybody just playing games, um, and tons and tons of leverage things that came in, in America, like Celsius and Voyager, not Voyager, Celsius and BlockFi and all this shit. This time we don't have all of those things. We just have just tons of flows coming in. And um, I think the easy thing to do this time is underestimate how high things are going to go because we got, you know, if you got wrecked last time, it's like you're just, you got burned and you feel like you're in disbelief still. But think about it. Look at Kajira. This is only one impulse move is all it's made for the entire time yet, right? Like the, 
from the bottom to here, if you just look at it, just zoom out on the thing, it's just one single impulse move. The typical bull market can have like fucking seven impulse moves, Ryan. Like one after the other after the other. And you're like, what the hell's going on? And we've been we've been through this before, right? With Luna and some other things. So they definitely do this, especially if you have bought in during the bear market and you've gotten in very low, then the magnitude can seem like epic as you go up. But the thing is, like, if you're well ahead of the game and you're like, hey, this is life changing money or whatever, you can pay off your house or whatever, like, then do it. Do not just sit and look at it because there will always be a chance to get something lower, even if it's within the ecosystem or maybe you take a portion out and you buy lower or whatever. Or just wait till the bear market comes again and just buy it back again at that point. Someone has to buy in the bear market, right? So otherwise, what's going to happen is who's going to dump on you? It's going to be like there's going to be some other whale or whatever that decides to take advantage of you. So it's not like if you don't sell, no one else will. This is why like in, so Kujira at this point is a cycle one token. It's a cycle one coin. Cycle one coins basically don't have a substantial price history, so they can run up like insane price discovery numbers, but, and, you know, with no essential resistance. Um, so Kujira even now technically is in price discovery as far as I'm concerned. And it is in it, it doesn't have any serious bag holders or anything. So everyone is almost everyone that owns Kajira is in the green, like probably 95% of people. The number of people that bought it above $4.35 is basically nobody if you look at the volume. So what's going to happen is it's going to keep climbing and climbing. And the thing is, like, cycle one is where all the money is made. Cycle two, like, after it crashes next time. So cycle one crashes are usually 90 to 95% drawdown. And this was true even of Ethereum back in 20, what is it, 2017, 2018? I don't remember which year is what now anymore. But the first cycle of Ethereum, you drew, drew down like 95%. The second cycle, which was the last cycle of the you know, mega moves, you dropped down like I think 80%. So the thing is like cycle one for Kajir, which is where we are now, you will have a dramatic drawdown almost surely um, it, it, as you kind of, the speculators start exiting the market. So you just have to be careful with that. Like not all the people are like, you know, like community holders and shit. Like there's a lot of people on, on uh, what do you call it? Uh, Mexi or whatever. The dumb money is going to come in much later and pump the thing into the sky. And when that happens, those people, when the price starts to fall, they're like, oh my God, my position is getting wrecked. And they start to sell, right? Because the top buyers are going to be like wrecked very quickly on the way down. Like they'll see a you know, drop of like 40% a day or whatever. Like, oh my God. And then they're going to sell low and then it drops lower and then lower. And it, it just like, it's the same cycle over and over again. Like it won't be different from that perspective. So especially for a cycle one asset, you're going to have like extreme price discovery and then dump. But that's the fun of the cycle one coins. Anything that with no price history, that's the fun is you don't have this baggage. So, but yeah, like Kujira going to 5 billion market cap. I mean, Jesus, like, <laughs> like almost everything's going to 5 billion market cap. That's just like, um, like Zephyr, like is one of the ones we have, like, oh man, like one to 3 billion market cap would be very, very feasible for that. That's why, like, that's why Kajira and Zephyr are the two that I picked up as a, like, um, the high multiple, um, bet. And then the chain link is the one for like the technical, you know, like serious money type of thing where you, where you can go in at mega size and not worried about your bag really but with uh and by the way link pulled back for it, it had its first cycle it pulled back 91 percent off the top so it went to 53 dollars and it came down to like five and um so next cycle whatever top chain link has 
you'd expect it to dump like next cycle, probably 80%. So the more serious the coin is, like meaning like the fundamentals are really, really good. The pullback from the top is not quite as deep, but still pretty damn deep. Like ETH did a minus 80%, for example. Um, and early Bitcoin and stuff would routinely do that. Um, and so that's kind of how you want to think about it, Ryan. So yeah, be mesmerized by the numbers, but don't be afraid to sell those numbers. What did what did Bitcoin do? Bitcoin probably did what seventy five percent something in that region. Yeah, so like the let me I can pull it up here. So if you look at like the big the gigable run, which was like the twenty seventeen top, you know, like from there, like where did it go to? Um, it was an eighty four percent drawdown from that particular cycle, and that wasn't even first cycle Bitcoin. That was like cycle three or whatever. I don't remember the math on it, but it's like one two. Yeah, that was like sort of cycle, let's see, one. This was like the fourth cycle of Bitcoin, wasn't it? We just had. Yeah, it depends on how you count them. It's based on the pie cycles, which is the 350-day moving average multiples. And unfortunately for BTC, you can't find the whole chart. It only starts in 2012. So the thing is, you can't actually do it. But like. Guess who's back? Hmm? Guess. <laughs> Guess who's back? Oh, where did you go? Why did oh, you... I was talking to my my friend, the oh. ex billionaire. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You're getting Doquan on the phone again. Another one. We need the Doquan landline. How do you reach him in prison these days? Um. Yeah. We need, like, how is Baby Luna doing? By the way, does anyone know? Like, is the wife in hiding, or what's going on there? I don't even. Uh, the wife is contactable on Telegram. Yeah, okay. Good. A few people are in touch with her. It's good. Uh, generally, it's a sad situation, though. Yeah, yeah. Is she, is she hoping for him to come back at some point? A lot of, um, a lot of Doquan guilt and sadness about like being so obsessed with business and then missing out the start of childhood and all this stuff. Yeah, really. Pretty sad. Um, hmm. and Oh, fun fact, Doquan's wife owns autism. Nice. <laughs> so, Ryan, that, that's the thesis for Kuji. I swear, I swear on my life, true. Okay. Nice. Kevin, <laughs> let's fucking go! <laughs> Baby Luna has autism tokens. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, if, yeah, it's passed on as one of the inheritance things. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Share up top, like the um, Ainsoft's. Uh, is that how you pronounce his name, by the way? Ainsoft. I don't know. Ainsoft. I'd like to know if that's a real name or not, because it's kind of funny. It's like Ainsoft Lamad. Yeah. How did you come up with this? It's like Ainsoft Ahmed or something. Uh, how do I find his name in here? He's like, I don't know. A I N S on the search. One question. Is this, this, is this Dr. Murray Rudd's new alt? What are you talking about? No, this is just like uh, somebody we found through, I think, Zeph and Autism. Yeah, he makes some nice memes and things. But um, no, but the, if you guys haven't seen the one he did where he used um, the likeness of um, Vitalik uh, and he did a, like a little thing. Did you see this, Ryan? The Autism Token meme that he did with... I I did not see. I did not Let me see find it. this thing. Uh, Although I am a, I am a big autism holder. 
I don't know where I am. I was top 10 wallets for a while, but I don't think I'll be there anymore. Mm, let's see. RLC might be about to run here if it breaks through the ceiling that it's created. What is? RLC, I exec. Oh, you mentioned that yesterday, yeah. What the fuck is that? It's an AI coin, so it's going to 100 billion again. <laughs> <laughs> to for no apparent reason. Have you, know, have you noticed, Seppi? Have you noticed, Seppi? Down in the audience, mm-hmm. we are joined by Demon Monkey Seven 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 with his wind chimes. Ooh, do you remember that from the Lunk days? That the eight-hour spaces. Yeah, yeah. Doing he was doing eight-hour spaces, trying to sort out problems for about a year, and then I think had like a mental collapse, inevitably, like the rest of us. <laughs> we not come back. Yeah, Demon Monkey needs to come up in like. I remember. I remember saying to him like three times, like. With your brain power, you can do way more than sort out this drama. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But he was pretty persistent with it. (laughs) That's so funny. Let's see what Demon has to say. We haven't talked to him in a while. That's a good point. Yeah. So, yeah, Demon Monkey was in the Luna Classic. Um, Well, I mean, he symbolizes the the start of the bull market again. He's come back. Yeah, yeah. Demon, the bull market can commence. You're back. What are you up to, man? Let the party begin. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. I've been real fucking busy just doing shit. Oh, yeah? But, like, but s- sneaking in, listening to you guys here and there, seeing what you guys are fucking with. Yeah, crypto shit or life shit? What are you doing? Um, It's been kind of just... I Dude, I haven't done crypto shit in probably like three months, four months. Really? I've traded here and there, but I've but just been be- busy with family but shit. But it's like right before the bull market begins. What, like... That's exactly when you should be paying. Well, I've been buying in. Like I said, I've been listening into you guys. I've been doing some stuff, not as much as I want. You got um, That's good. But I, I got some nice bags, and I've been yeah, getting yeah, little things here and there. The, the number one lesson of going through a bull market and a bear market is always that you have to be around in the bear market. That is the only lesson you have to know. <laughs> like You could be a complete imbecile and buy anything in the bear market and do fine. Yeah, and, and yeah. I mean... The only thing I've really been looking at is some of like the newer shit, mm-hmm. um, just some bullshit to throw some money into since some of a lot of these new things will do fairly well in the bull run. Um, get a couple three X's, five X's, 10 X's here and there. But yeah, I built some nice bags in that in that bear. I don't know if you want to call it a bear market, bear fucking winter. So yeah. No. It was a it was a perfected one uh, <laughs> because everything sort of crashed all at once. Like things barely did anything. There was not even like a uh, barely even like a bear market rally except for some of the AI shit that went off. That's kind of pretty much the summary of the last two years. That's why I think the next bull run will do fairly good. I don't think we're quite in it. I think we're going to have another slight dump. Um, to be honest, I think it'll be closer towards the end of the year, and. <laughs> beginning of 2025 is when it'll really start kind of picking up and that's, getting some that's stability. Cool. That's the usual. I, I, yeah. I think, I don't know. Like I have positioned myself assuming that all like the exciting year will be this year. Like this is what 2016 was like pretty much. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm a, I think, um, I don't think it's going to take that long, if not only due to the fact of the halving being in two months and then BlackRock thrown in the mix as well. 
Yep. Yeah. The, the, these couple of things is unique this year. So, the, so it's like the opposite of the COVID crash, the opposite of the uh, Chinese minor eviction. So that all happened in like March 2020. And it sort of like was it, it put a damper on the whole happening thing and the excitement and everything. And then only after that giga crash and everything sort of took a, almost like nine more months to sort of recover slowly, start trending up and everything was fine. In this this time, we have the opposite. We have like not a black swan event, but we have like just a, you know, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Like <laughs> a gift from God thing with the ETF thing and just money flowing in like crazy. And that is the almost the opposite of what happened last happening cycle. So like I don't it's also but, an election year though you have to think about that. Yeah. So a lot of the world right now the economies are kind of shit They're like shit. all over the fucking place. Like, so nobody has savings to invest into shit. Like especially in the United States everybody's savings are pretty much wiped out. Now I think individuals are going to want to find a safer place to put money like Bitcoin, Ethereum, different things because of all the chaos going around with banks and different shit. But I think a lot of them are waiting to see what's going to happen, who's going to be the president-elect. And I mean all over the world because, yeah, you know, if we got another four years of Biden, our economy is going to be shit. And all the other countries are going to be shit, too, because they kind of are based off of us. Um, well, if yeah, our economy is booming, country, everybody else's yeah. shit goes up. What was that? I was just going to say, every country is royally fucked. Like, I, I do a lot of this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but every country is basically fucked on the basis of um, the international monetary fund is based on the U S dollar, as most of you probably know. So when the U S prints money, it actually devalues devalues every country on the globe that uses USD as import export. Um, And then those countries go and print their own money as well. And then they doubly just kill their own economy uh, while the U.S. does it too. So the U.S. always sort of stays on the top regardless because it's the IMF currency. <laughs> yeah, reserve currency status. Yeah, no, like, so what oftentimes happens is like, okay, for you to have a big rally in something, you have to have a bit of a crash first. So like to have a rally, if like, let's say this summer, some, you know, everything runs up by summertime, which is sort of what's happening. And you have a crash at that point, then like, Okay, if Trump gets elected, everything booms for no good reason. And if, but you know, Democrats get elected, it just stays stagnant or whatever. Cause it's like, there's like recession numbers anyway. So, but all that's put aside, like the thing is, like crypto market, like the crypto market caps are relatively small, like in the grand scheme of all the companies of the world. So you don't need a lot of, um, and it's like all the gamblers on the planet show up at once. So I don't think you necessarily have to overthink this, that it's not going to do well just because economies and this, that. Well, I think it's going to do well no matter what. I just think it's going to have like a plateau effect. We're going to see a rise and then it's going to plateau out a little bit. It might dump down um, because so your big money. They're always going to try to place their bets a little bit. They're going to put some money in there to kind of be ahead of the curve, but they're not going to go all in till after the election and that way Although if it does go down the, they can get yeah, out if someone posted the you know how you do the little fractal btc curve you know where you show the rise and you compare it to all the previous things it's been running pretty much exactly the same as before 
um, in terms of just like the the growth pattern or whatever. So, yeah, and it does dip. We do have a nice dip right before it goes up, and that's what's. I think that's what's going to be beautiful. And I, but I, I'm with you. Even with the money, I don't see it jumping off like crazy, like just jumping up. I see it gradually going, and just re reaching a lot higher heights because what did we reach last time a little over 3 trillion um in total market cap of crypto yeah that's nothing i mean that's fucking nothing i mean you compare that to just the us stock market which is a little over 90 trillion yeah, i mean it's, it's nothing 500 is like 35 trillion probably more now <laughs> that's what i'm saying like but that's it's nothing it's a fraction you know, we're not even hitting close to 10% yeah, of what the stock market is. So room to go up. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, let's say if this trick, everything trickles up more for the next two, three years, that could be an outcome. Then nobody will know exactly when to sell because it just keeps kind of trickling up over and over. So if it goes, if we go sideways, long periods of time, then go up sideways, long periods of time, then go up. Then that's like one of the markets where the newbies get a lot of time to show up, but they come in like slowly and late. Um, yeah, but I think we're, I think we're getting close to that precipice. You know, the thing is, is like crypto has been so volatile, right? And the way that think, the world is going now, or up, what's that? You think volatility is going to go up or down? Like I think it's going to start going down. I think we're going to we're we're starting. I think because of everything that's going on in the world, and especially the shit that happened in this bear market. Um, it really proved how important DeFi is and crypto is in the world. Because I mean, how many banks did we have that people couldn't even get their fucking money out of and that were failing? And then the uncertainties in the world because of all these damn wars and all this other shit, you know, people are wanting to lock up their money. You know, we're sending billions of dollars over to Ukraine. People are getting fed up with that shit and they want control. Changes got absolutely like, destroyed the LCS yeah. blocked by like the list goes on and on. So there was that fiasco as well. But so we do have strength. People, still. A lot of people got jaded, I think, to uh, like people that lost like serious amounts of money, like they got jaded to crypto to some extent, almost certainly. Like somewhat, uh, but they still see the potential because look at the stock market. You know how many stock yeah. market crashes we have? I mean you you do People don't even, a lot of people, they don't think about this. Like the crypto, okay, yeah. what we had in but, the crash of crypto is yeah. nothing compared to like the, a the mini fucking bubble. stock market crash, you know? Yeah, the like, makes the crypto uh, dip look like a walk in the park back in two, 1999, 2000. Oh shit, people had serious money in there at that time. Oh yeah. I mean, we lost trillions out of the stock market, you know? Think about it again, all of crypto, every fucking meme coin out there, every coin you can think of. We had a top market cap of like three trillion, right around three trillion, maybe a little bit over on some days. That's nothing. I mean, the stock market has lost 20, 30 trillion. Right, right. You know, in crashes. I mean, that kind of money and people don't realize, you know, they're thinking, OK, three trillion, 20 trillion. There's not that big of a difference. It's a huge fucking difference because. People don't realize how big one trillion is just one trillion, how huge that is. And that's why yeah. like, we can go back to Luna Classic with that the fucking supply, you know, but yeah, so it's 
I think it's going to grow gradually, and I think we're going to start seeing – you're still going to have your meme coins, right? It's just like in the stock market, you have your penny stocks and different shit that's, like, really volatile, right? You can put in, like, a grand and make 10 grand, 20 grand off of that shit. It's hot, really high fucking risk. Um, and then you have some of more of your stable stocks, you know, your long-term bullshits. Um, and I think we're going to start seeing that. I I think that this whole Bitcoin dropping like it has been, how volatile it gets in bear markets, I think we might be seeing one of the last cycles of that. That's my personal opinion, but I think we're seeing one of the last cycles of that. I think it's going to go up and it might get a fluctuation from 20, 30%, but that's about it. It depends on how high, how, how high, how fast. So even in a bull market, BTC dips are about 30 to 40% oftentimes. Um, it's the, the market is not liquid enough for that not to be the case. Remember, gold went from like two thousand down to twelve hundred or something, right? Something like that. So, yeah, but a, gold right? in the last fifty years. Oh yes, for sure. Yeah, gold in the went, last fifty years, gold yeah. has hasn't dropped more than I think thirty percent. I might yeah. be wrong. It might be twenty percent, but from, I think it's up to thirty. No, gold went down like almost fifty percent, like not or at forty something. I'll oh, look at the graph in the last fifty years. Oh yeah, yeah it really hasn't moved much as an average over a long period of time. To yeah, be honest, in fifty years, gold has been <laughs> super stable, and it's and if you look at so you look at the drop gold? of gold, what it's done yeah. in the last fifty years, but then gold, the price gold, increase has been gold great. Nineteen hundred dollars down to one thousand forty six. That was just in twenty fifteen at the bottom. What do you mean? Like gold is very volatile, like comparatively. So and then when the do ETF, the last. Do the last 50 years of gold. Yeah. Look at the so graph. After the ETF, you went from like $260 to um, $1,900. No, gold's uh, price appreciation has been magnificent over the period of like um, the last, yeah, like uh, like from 50 years. Oh, geez. Like if you look at 1970 to now, in 1970, gold was worth 35 bucks. It's worth 2000 now. So it's, yeah, it's very volatile. So like if you bought gold at the wrong time, it served you very, very poorly. Like, for example, if you bought gold in 1980, when it was $880, you could be down to 260 in 2001. Uh, if you bought gold like at $1,800, thinking it was going to run, like 1900 in 2012, it dropped all the way to um, like 1050 in 2016. So, it no, it hasn't been stable at all in the sense that like ETF was the big thing. So, Bitcoin, the reason why everyone thinks that the Bitcoin ETF is going to be such a big deal is because after um, after the ETF for gold, it went up like, I don't remember, it was like maybe, when was that? 1980s or something? I don't remember. But it went from like 200 bucks to like 1,000 or something. So that was the big run up for, for gold back then. And I don't remember exactly when the ETF came out, honestly. But, uh, but like gold in 2000 was $244. I remember that, like when gold was that cheap. Um, so my family has a fair amount of gold. And um, and then by 2011, it was like $1,900. And then it dumped like crazy and then back up again. So now your gold is at a breakout level where it could definitely run again. And so all the gold bugs and the, whoever are all excited about um, owning this thing. But uh, I'm excited be- about that because I've got a heavy machinery company that um, leases long term into gold mines. So <laughs> Yeah. But BTC, like, uh, so this cycle, this last cycle, BTC dropped about, um, I think, 80% or something like that um, from the top. Or actually, let me, let me tell you exactly, because you can get a feeling for it. 
but the way to calculate this stuff is fairly straightforward. Like, um, so if you look at, okay, so let's pull up. Yes. So Bitcoin dropped 77.6% from the top this time. And this time is not different in that there's a lot of leverage in the, um, in the uh, crypto space. It's, there's a lot of leverage trading BTC for that matter. So let's say Bitcoin runs to like, I don't know, 250K. Let's say it really, really runs this year because of the ETF thing and all that, right? Let's say it pulls a 5X from here as a result of ETF inflows, scarcity, leverage, whatever, the whole fucking enchilada. Then if you go from there and then you kind of drop, then like what would be the next drop? Probably around, let's say it's 65%. So if you go to, let's say 250K, and you drop to 65% from there, you're talking about like, you know, maybe it drops to 87K if we're lucky, right? Like that's the kind of numbers. It depends on how high you go. This is why like what really matters is where the top actually is. And you don't know that until you get there. This is the problem. But whatever that top is, you can calculate where the bottom is going to be pretty, pretty readily. And it depends on the cycle of the asset and the market cap of the asset. So if you're like a cycle one asset like Kujira, that shit's dropping 95% whether you like it or not. I don't care how bullish you are or whatever. It is going to. And the re it's just standard um, illiquid markets with sell pressure. Remember, in small market cap coins, the actual liquidity is only maybe like 5% of the market cap or 10, maybe like 10% if it's like really, really like <laughs> whatever. But the point is like on, when you start to sell, you don't ever realize the full market cap. So if the market cap of a coin is $10 billion, the real value of that coin in terms of actual exit liquidity, um, if everyone were trying to try to exit at one time, the real liquidity is going to be, let's say it's $10 billion coin, it's maybe $500 million at best. Maybe. Not, even that's a maybe. So it could actually be less than that. So the, the, that's why you see this extraordinary volatility. So I would definitely not assume that... Um, that uh, and and when you're talking about these things, all you have to talk about like what specific coin. So BTC is one thing. Um, cycle two assets um, like Ethereum, for example, it dropped like what eighty percent or something from the top. Uh, Chainlink dropped. Uh, it was cycle one. It dropped ninety one percent from the top. In fact, Chainlink performed better than Ethereum in that respect. Um, in that in its first cycle, it actually dropped less than Ethereum did. Interestingly enough. So the second cycle, let's say for a chain link, let's say it goes to, I don't know, 250 or something absurd, then it's going to drop. You know, the next cycle, it'll drop probably 80% from that number. And then you go up the next time, next cycle, the upside won't be as high, but the downside might only be 70% at that point. So the, the, the ROI goes down and then the, um, the, the downside like also goes down a little bit, but not to the extent people think like, oh, it's only going to drop 40%. I'll be fine. I'll hold. No, like, and the crazy thing about these markets is like, you won't know until the very last second that the bull market's over. <laughs> like, basically you'll go like, like, uh, you'll have your coins and you, you'll be happy. You'll be like, oh, my Kajira is worth like, you know, $35. And so-and-so said they sold and then, oh, it ran to 50 bucks. And like, oh, I don't know. It looks pretty good. Um, and you know, yet euphoric because it's going to go even higher because you know a lot of times these do. So like, then you're thinking it's going to keep going up, and then all of a sudden one day you'll see like a forty percent drop. You're like, holy fuck! Like, how did that happen? How on earth do you drop that much in like not a day, but you know, like, within a few days? How does this happen? It's because it's a relatively illiquid market. When things go down, they go down hard. And usually, if you see one of those type of dumps, like 
a 40 to 50% dump in a relatively short period of time, then you know you've probably reached kind of blow off top, especially if volumes are high at that time, like way higher volumes than usual, usually signals a blow off top. And then when it drops, what happens is then like, you'll have a complacency shoulder, which is kind of like a pump off that dump. So if you ever see like a giga dump in crypto, like 40 to 50%, it's like always buy, <laughs> because it's gonna have a pump of like another, maybe it'll pump up 30% and then you sell. So that complacency shoulder is oh, easy. What's that? Yeah, you buy the fear and then you get the complacency shoulder. But then the complacency shoulder means it looks like, oh, it's going to be fine again, but it really isn't fine. That you, you put in a new higher, um, you know, you put a like a, a, a the next high is lower than the previous high. And in Bitcoin last season, it, it freaked everyone out because like it psyched everyone out because it went to retest previous high and it double topped, which is actually the scariest thing. Because when you double top, a whole bunch of people buy the top because they feel like the market's about to run, right? And so that actually wrecks even more people. If you just get a, like a higher low, you don't get to a double top. It's actually less dangerous in a sense because like, you don't trap a bunch of people. Uh, so that's kind of the, the last cycle. Bitcoin did a double top instead of a simple complacency shoulder. But it was kind of like the writing was on the wall at some point. So typically, bluffs tops, yeah. Like if you're hitting a 40% rapid drawdown, it usually means um, there's a problem. If you look at the difference, look at a Zephyr chart today, or look at like a Kajira chart today, what's the difference? The difference is, is that like um, off the top, you know, you did of course get a, a long drawdown. So let's take Zephyr, for example, it went to like $5 to 52 bucks, but over a course of like, I don't know, um, four or five, four months or something or 90 days, it 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 bled down to um you know it's a, a new low and it the velocity is still high it, it but the the pattern is more of an accumulation pattern it's like this diagonal like thing that goes you know like it's not straight down it's not a pure like pump and dump as in like you know everyone sold immediately and the developers sold and everyone ran away it has a classic accumulation pattern so that's still kind of bullish but it looks different in a um in, you know after a long bull market um, market caps are much bigger and you think, oh, there's no way a 3 billion market cap coin can't go down to 500 million. And you're like, oh, it's not possible. Where's, you know, who's going to be selling? This is too good of a coin. Nobody's going to sell this. But as the price goes down and more and more people are underwater and less and less capital is coming in, this, everyone who bought is like, oh, my gains are going away. And so they start selling. And then it goes down a little bit more and my gains are going away and they start selling. And then you have people that bought near the top or in the upper half of the, the band. And those people are in the negative and they're like, Ooh, okay, well, I'll hold for a negative 10%. And then, you know, and then it drops to 20% and you're like, Oh, I don't know. And then it drops minus 30%. Eventually those people panic and they start selling. So on the way down, it's like, it is kind of a rush for the exits. And, um, you know, so the, especially these cycle one things, you, your drops from the top will be quite extraordinary. So it's not like you're going to have a chance to really think it through by the time the crashes start happening it's usually you're, you're, you're not going to really be able to exit. So this is why some people just say like, you know, sell some along the way or something. One trick I do, and scale out from there upward. That's what I'm yeah, planning to do. One trick I've, I've done always is like, um, I have a bunch of coins and things. Maybe I don't care that much about them or whatever. And I buy them and I get like a little three X or something. And then I'll buy it. I'll put it into some chart. That's like wrecked. Like it's really low. It, but it's a coin I like, you know, like, so for example, if 
the good thing to have in a, in a market is if some of the coins are off cycle, like, you know, you know, this one ran last month. So it's much likely to consolidate for the next three months. But this one over here has not run. So you get the one that hasn't run. And then that way you can cycle into something that um, not because it's going green, because it's been in the red a while. And then you can take out, um, you know, like a 3x in those other coins or however much you got, 2 to 3x, whatever. And then you get the one that hasn't run yet. And then that one you can just leave. Because the thing is, like, if that's already at a bottom, then the upside's good, but the downside has already been mitigated. And if it does, like, like in my case, I have a bunch in Zephyr. Uh, like, if it, if I bought a bunch at twelve bucks and now I'm at twenty five bucks, I'm doing fine. And then when it runs to like a billion market cap, which is highly probable, then you're talking about like four hundred dollars Zephyr. I'm doing very fine. Um, and so, like, I, but I've a lot of the money that I put into it, I've already three xed first. And then stuffed it in there, right? Because like that's the thing. When you're early in a bear market, you can be you can make a lot of mistakes and be okay. Because even if Zephyr falls, you know, like let's say it goes to 150 bucks and it drops back down to 50, I'm still way in the green. Um, and it's early enough in the cycle that um, you know, these are still sustainable market caps. Like you can run really much higher, but you know, where is the floor for Zephyr gonna be? Probably north of like the the bear market floor for Zephyr, as an example, would pro if it runs to like maybe three billion market cap at the top, um, you could have a floor of let's say three hundred million market cap, and that's still a three x off the current price. So I could literally let it ride and be perfectly fine, even if I rode it all the way to the top and rode it all the way down again. It doesn't make any difference. That's the position you want to be in in this in crypto. You don't want to be in a position where like. Well, I don't know if my thing is going to go up or not and whatever. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm, when I'm exactly going to sell and whatever. You want to leave yourself room for lots of mistakes, basically. Your timing can be complete shit and you still do fine. And that's really important. So that's why like getting in during very, like either during the bear market or right, you know, during or after the full impulse move. And right now, total three, which is like all the altcoins except for BTC and ETH, has only gone through one impulse move, technically speaking. So a lot of coins, therefore, have not moved. So you don't go and like necessarily chase the big winners. Like you don't go, oh, like I'm gonna go get Solana now. Like what the hell do you want to do that for? Like you maybe get a five X. It doesn't even make sense. Like you know, like I'll get a five X on Zephyr in like the next you know few months. Like why would I want to go and buy something that if it runs perfectly, it does a five X, right? You want to get so if you're in it for growth and you don't care about like the stability of your thing, go for the smaller market cap, get the multiples, and you know it's like a leverage bet on the on the big players. Um, on the other hand, if you don't want to lose any capital, or maybe like you know you want to get something that hasn't run yet or something, that's why I put a bunch in Chainlink at this stage because Solana, like like if we go into a correction, it's going to lose a lot more relative value compared to the stuff that hasn't moved yet. That's why I kind of say that. Um, so yeah, it's like, you just have to think of it from the perspective like, okay, how much downside am I willing to have? And um, what stage in the market am I in? How much upside do I think I can get uh, juice out of the thing? That's kind of the idea. But um, yeah, so like, so the couple of things I have, which are the smaller market cap, um, I have, you know, it's like minutes, I have a bunch of little micro wallets of different things, not even worth mentioning, but I think the largest bags I have now of the what i consider small cap which is like 500 million or below um 
I consider micro cap like you know 100 million and below. Um, Zephyr is kind of the 100 million and below micro cap. Kujira is the uh, small cap, less than 500 mil, or something like a, um, you know, there's, a, I have a bunch of others, but like the point is uh, some of these, they'll rise in market cap. And so therefore the valuations get, um, of your wallet gets much bigger. Um, but um, like, you know, am I going to go buy as much injective now? Not really, because like where its market cap is, if it performs really well, maybe it goes from, 30 bucks and maybe it gets to 100 bucks or something but um and and maybe it doesn't even do that like if you go to some of these layer ones they're fucking boring like there's nothing to do there yet so this idea that like the gamblers just going to keep on coming is not always true and the lesson there was like Chainlink last season ran up from like nothing to 53 dollars, and then the second pump of bitcoin last season it didn't do anything it actually just faltered so there is a sense that like after a certain point, people are like, hey, wait a minute, like most of the you know, juice has been squeezed out of this orange. Like it doesn't make sense to keep like, you know, beating on this thing to get a little another 2x or something. So realize when the multiples that are remaining start going down, the number of people who are willing to risk lots of money starts going down also. And so you really just have like small retail buyers and people just sort of like you know, moon boys and whatever, like buying a little extra, getting that last little blow off top. Um, you're not getting like, you know, Solana is at $500 or something. Like you're not going to get the big money buying at 500. Like this makes no sense at all. Like maybe you'll have people shorting at that point. Um, and that's the danger too. Anything that you can short, um, the shorts will bring out their knives near the tops and that will increase the capital velocity going down uh, downward. And so when you're like, Hey, how the fuck did this thing drop 50% in you know, three days? That's how it happens is because remember you can short the market too. And, um, if it's happens to be that BTC gets knocked down while also your alts are getting beaten down, then, you know, everything just crashes at one time. So this is because the deleveraging has to happen. Remember a lot of the valuation of your coins is funny money, right? Like, and you may say, Oh, like, well, who's taking leverage on Zephyr? There's no place that you can buy, you know, Zephyr on leverage. Sure, not exactly, but there are people on Ethereum that might be like, "Ooh, I'm a whale. I'm going to go and borrow off of my Ethereum. I'm going to go and, um, you know, buy Zephyr with this." But at some point, they've got to pay off their loans, and if the price of Ethereum starts to fall, they're like, "Oh shit, they got to they got to go manage their um, their loans." And so then they have to go sell the shit that they bought in order to go and pay off their loans. And this is what happens. So when deleveraging happens. And loans have to be paid off. People get liquidated. Then everyone gets liquidated at one time. And you see these gigantic drops across the market. And there's nothing you can do to protect yourself against these things. Like, not really. Like, you, you can hedge it or whatever and um, maybe take some short positions or something if you want to hedge. But the reality is that, like, most of that shit I can't be bothered with. Like, like at this stage, like, it does make sense to, um, if you're in this early like let's say a chain link it has an upside of let's say twenty dollars to a hundred dollars okay fine well like it went to 50 last season i can definitely get back to 50 this season almost assuredly just based on all the new stuff that they're doing i feel like from this price i can get a two and a half x which is hard to get in the stock market um effectively and it's kind of like a blue chip and i'm like ah eh, it's gonna run is ethereum gonna go back to prior high probably maybe not today maybe not next week but in a year probably in three years, you know, maybe next bull market. Yeah, probably. So therefore, like if you're a bag holder, you're fine. So I think that's the other thing too, is if you're putting any sizable amount 
and you, you, you need to be comfortable being a bag holder for several years. Um, a couple examples where I was a bag holder this last season, I had some e-gold and I, not exactly a bag holder. I bought it in the sort of like FTX crash time. I think I bought e-gold at like, I don't know, maybe like 50 bucks and then 40 bucks. And then this time around, I noticed that they're doing like, like they didn't seem like they're doing very much. Uh, they were like not posting much on Twitter. I held that bag, getting yield on it for the whole bear market. And then when it reached like 70 bucks, I'm like, all right, I'm out of this thing. I didn't make much money on it and I had to sit on it and I had, I got some yield, but at the same time, I didn't lose any money. Like it wasn't going to zero or whatever. And I bought it after it already retraced like from five fifty dollars down to 50. Right. So after a 90% retracement, you're, you're reasonably safe. But even then I reevaluated and I said, you know what? Like this doesn't make any sense. I just sold it and I bought like Zephyr at like five bucks or something. It's at 25 now. So like the multiples are much higher. Um, and, and so you have to reevaluate, is the project doing what it's supposed to? I just put a simple tweet out. I'm like, someone convinced me to keep my eagled. I got no response whatsoever on the dollar sign EGLD ticker. I'm like, fuck, I'm out. There's no way, like, if nobody can tell me why I should hold it, then that means no one's paying attention. I'm out of this thing. And I literally sold based on what, whether I got a response or not. And uh, that was my coin toss. Um, another bag I had to the bear market was Akash. I bought Akash at like maybe a dollar and then maybe more at like $2 last season. And it ran to like eight. And I didn't know how to value the thing. And I didn't really understand it. And it was clearly like giga overvalued. No question about it. I should have just sold it the moment it like my bag doubled or something and got out. But um, it went to eight. It crashed down to like 20 cents during the bear market. Just obscene um, drawdown. Um, and it had very high inflation at the time too. And um, I wasn't really sure how the inflation of that thing worked and the mechanics and whatever. And I learned the hard way that like it, draw, it drew down big time. I just held my Akash bag the entire time, all the way down to 20 cents. I didn't pay attention to it. I was like, I assumed it was a loss or whatever, maybe the, who knows. And and now it's back up to four bucks. And um, I think I sold it at like, oh, like maybe 320 or something a few weeks ago, because I wasn't so sure if the AI narrative was going to keep playing out. And I sold it and I'm fine. So I was in the green. I, I maybe like, you know, maybe made 50% off of it. I uh, got some yield off of the thing for staking it, and um, which was pretty substantial, actually. So I, let's say I doubled my money, whatever. And so I took that and I bought some, uh, I think, chain link at the bottom, for example, because I felt like higher conviction with that. So that just gives you some ideas of like, if you're going to be a bag holder in something, there's some stuff that's going to draw down bad. And when it does, you're going to be like, huh, like, is this going to go to zero or is it going to come back up? You don't really know. And fortunately for my two things, the price came back up. I was, a, I was able to sell in the green. But um, that's also because my entry price was kind of acceptable as well. Had, you know, but as you get closer and closer to the top, alts just draw down too aggressively to be buying too much. And is this the season that everyone realizes this and not as many people pile in near the top? I don't know. It depends on how many newbies come in. Like newbies are who do this. Like if you don't have a lot of newbies coming in, it's just PVP you're going to have like corrections over and over again and the market's going to go more sideways with more chop um it's the newbies that come in and like oh my god it's like the next best thing since sliced bread and they go in like why like they, they go in like ape into every random thing um without having any clue of how to value these things quite literally like they have no idea like 
I, I think people underestimate how many newbies are still coming into the space. Like just for example, they'll um, Battletech, for instance, on AVAX ran a um, basically a fake phishing campaign yesterday that sent out 1,600 emails. Um, and it was just basically a fake password reset that was sent by the devs. And, um, and within about an hour, um, I think there was about 1,200 emails opened over 900 people clicked the link. Oh, so that's actually good. So the devs are educating people about phishing or something? Yeah, so I, I sort of made a suggestion about it. And I mean, not everyone was happy about it, but it probably saved those 900 people from losing millions of dollars, social securities, you know, everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, those people, uh, no, people get uh, scammed out of money all the time around here. Yeah, if the scammers start to show up, you know that the, uh, um, like, you're in trouble. In fact, I actually, I, I went to a scam site yesterday. Uh, remember Drake came on, he's like, oh, tech, check out dogeywhatever.com or something. Uh, it's like a Dogecoin marketplace. Doggy Doggy market? I went on there. I spent $1,000. <laughs> yeah, the D-O-G-G-Y dot market was the actual website, I believe. Don't yeah, that's me the one I'm on. But D-O-G-Y, which is, I thought he said, was actually a scam site. And you just connect your wallet and they drain your wallet. <laughs> so uh, I, I couldn't figure out what he was saying because he was saying doji market. I was like, how the fuck do you spell that? <laughs> yeah. Like, so, yeah, if you're doing any DeFi things, if you're doing any kind of connecting to websites, you got to be really, really sure that you're connecting to the right type of site. And even then, you're not really guaranteed to not have your wallet drained or some calamity happens. So. I, yeah, from a safety perspective, I would recommend people create a brand new wallet for sort of like new sites that you're playing with and then load that wallet with what money you intend to spend and use it there. Do not use your like core wallet with all your money. Like a lot of people use Kepler, for example, and attach it to everything. Um, yeah, be super careful on new, new projects and whatnot and smart contract risks and whatever. Yeah, the, the newbies, yeah, when certainly the newbies show up, like, I, don't, I haven't seen many newbies yet, but I could be wrong. Like, I don't know. I don't follow TikTok and shit. And I think a lot more newbies are on TikTok now. But don't know. Um, it's funny. Ultra is dropping a meme coin called D's Nuts. <laughs> I don't know how much. Uh, on, on the has. note of um, what we were speaking on yesterday, right? Um, market cap and liquidity and not putting too much weight on the market cap itself. I saw the most fucking cooked ratio in a Solana shit coin yesterday. It had 140k liquidity and the FDV was 3 billion. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> 3 billion. <laughs> like who, who holds the rest of these coins? Nobody cares. Um, Cyan, were you trying to say something? Yeah. What's up? Yeah, I've just been hosting actually for a while, and I had to cool down. It's like I haven't been in these spaces in a while, and it's Bruce is normally up here, but Which no, it's like I'm I'm here to learn and just kind of chime in as is if uh, there's a spot on the panel. So, what kind of what kind of plays are you doing this season? You got anything? Got any alpha or anything? Uh, just long term, you know. It's like what I've been holding, and then just kind of throwing a little bit of ETH here and there. Uh, Crow grabbed a small bag, but. No, just jazz me, and obviously it's been a hell of a little day or two, so it just is about to hit a billion volume. I'm fucking feeling good in the green after November 2021. 
What's yeah. the big like, what's the big Jasmine thing now? And I, like who else was talking about Jasmine? It was um uh anyway, whatever. It it, it was it's, Tugaboom like Jasmine for some reason. But yeah, it had a candle here straight up today or something. Yeah, it's up. it's almost like uh there's so many different things and I always use that. It's like you're dipping your toe in the pool before you jump in and they're just trying to figure it out, entering a lot of different sectors, obviously regarding uh, data and privacy. Uh, what the kind of news is right now, because obviously a star it's a lot of people think it's a Japanese coin, but it's based in, uh, Singapore because of the taxation. You probably heard of the taxation issues, but now they're becoming more lax and apparently VCs, venture capitalists are able to invest in uh, cryptocurrency now with a new bill that just got introduced. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of volume coming in. I mean, in Singapore, no, no, in Japan. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's acting almost like the Bitcoin ETF in a sense, but they can purchase any crypto, but the first regulated crypto, you know, native to Japan, it's kind of, you know, paying homage. Uh, and then the PDL lockup roadmaps actually about to come out as well, kind of supposed to be during March, just a lot of different little catalysts. Uh, they're working on communication. They're Japanese, the, not fluent. Today was that because I noticed this on the chart here, like, is this like something happened today or is it just random? Yeah, that, No, that supposedly. So this is the thought is that VC kind of like a bill. I don't even know if it got passed or if it just got proposed, but it's just, it's kind of oh, so yeah. it's perceived as being bullish for this coin. And so like everyone dumped, jumped in. Uh, essentially, like, Probably. like I'm saying, it's coming off of no news. So it's, it's pleasant surprise outside of that. Like Jasmine okay. itself hasn't even really mentioned it. I don't think. Cool. Uh, yeah, Blend, were you trying to say something? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, bro. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good, man. Go ahead. Uh, what do you think about LSD FI prayer coins, bro? Can you tell me? LSD um, FI. FI? Mm, let me know. What is it? Let's see. LSD FI. I'm not sure what that is. Sounds trippy. You mean. <laughs> Taking derivatives types things or what? What do you mean? It's a it's a prior coin, bro. How do you spell it? Spell it for me. I don't know how to speak English very well, but I'm gonna try it, bro. Prior coin. I, I'm not sure I understood what you said. Hey, but... can you ta can he just tag like, it possibly, like, bro? Like uh, AI coins, you you know? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, this called L. SDFI coin. LSDFI. LSDFI or something? I don't know. I never heard of it. Yeah, maybe, bro. I don't see it here on the. Is he saying T or D? That could be it. I'm not sure. Sorry. Oh, can I text it, bro? Yeah, just tag it in the Jumbotron if it's cool with Sefi. Yeah, post it up top or something if you have some. If you know what, how to get to it. I don't really. Thanks. I've never heard of it though, so I'm not really sure. Like, <laughs> don't laugh. Okay, thanks. I don't bro. have any expertise in it or something. So, like, yeah, okay. I have no idea. Okay, it's thanks. like, yeah. It have looks like maybe I'm I'm seeing something on Google from October 23. LSD for dog, fi liquid staking makes DeFi. Um, something, yeah, something along like those that. lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I'd say, like the most. Uh, like right now, the thing that looks like it's going to have like an all-time high break is Fetch. So Fetch is at a dollar five. It's at its last, like it's you know retraced all the way back up to its 
high, which is $1.20. So from $1.05 to $1.20 is pretty much like a given. And then beyond that, the next level is for that is about four eighty one. So that's probably like the easiest gamble right now if one were to play. Did did Fed just cross the pin or uh, the dollar mark? Is that the one that just crossed uh, the dollar? Wait, not yesterday. Yeah, dollar gotcha. twenty high. So it's breaking of high would be the the, the move. But yeah, Ryan, you were saying something. Ryan, oh, he had his hand up. I just wanted to tell you, Sefi, that yeah. I've closed my Fed short. 45k ox profit okay so so now i'm happy for it to run to all-time high but you got 45k profit in it already yeah i went big well done nice there you go no not dollars it's a not dangerous play negative 1400 again for some reason so yeah oh well Easy come, easy go. What is, I mean, what, what is low leverage, though? Like, low leverage swing long, FET might be the easiest play I've ever seen. Yeah, FET's kind of the straightforward one, I think. Which is why it's running, obviously. Like, I mean, its chart looked like it was going to hit high again, like, quite a while back. Like, back in uh, November, pretty much, is when I first got it at 40 cents. So it was, it was like, pretty obvious it was going to reach a prior high again on this AI bullshit. The thing is, like, the token is stupid. Like, it, it bears no, like, its market cap has no basis in reality at all. It's just pure narrative. So the thing about narrative pumps is, like, next cycle's narrative pumps are not going to be the same as this cycle's narrative pumps. So what will happen is, you know, next cycle, it's quite possible it'll languish into oblivion. So what you don't want to be on these kinds of narrative coins is a pure bag holder. Like, you know, like... The, if you go and look at what fetch that AI does, it doesn't do very much, like at least right now. And it's certainly not fucking worth whatever the market cap is. You can literally do everything fetch does on Chainlink or something. So it's a purely like uh, narrative based thing based on the AI storytelling. So, and people love these narratives in crypto because it's like, you know, meme gamble. That's why it's going up. That's it. So that's why I'm not like, if you're going to gamble on this thing, I wouldn't go very hard on it. I'd just like, like, you know, take a little bit of funny money and maybe, you know, wait till it goes to like four or five bucks and be done with it. Something like that. Um, so it's, I think it's, it was, it's always been relatively easy based on how this chart looks. It's just, it's like, like certain charts have just like a pattern that traders like. Uh, one of those things is like a retest of prior high. If in so early in a bull market, if you retest a prior high of a coin, the odds of breaking that high are like 90 plus percent. Like the odds in an early bear market, you're gonna hit a high, retrace all the way from the bottom to back to the high after correcting like freaking, you know, how much did FET correct like from the top? Let's see, it corrected, um, let's see here. I think it was down it, to about eight cents from a dollar twenty. Yeah, 95 or 97% correction or something. Yeah, 96 is, in like late 2020, yeah. early 2021, FET was one of my coins I was holding back then. And I made a lot of money on it back then too. <laughs> yeah, so it, it basically corrected um, uh, 96%. And then the AI narrative shit began like late, I think early 2023-ish or something like that with the... Uh, open ai um releases and everything and everyone's like ai 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 and everyone just said oh we're, i'm gonna play the ai narrative we're gonna buy all these coins that have to do the ai and that was quite literally how the twitter timeline played out 
And then everyone just pumped the shit out of this thing. And then Crypto Wizard is also like a fan of this thing. So he pumped it to all his followers. He's been, um, he's been, Crypto Wizard's been shilling fit since before I got into it in early mm-hmm. 21. <laughs> oh, yeah. But last season. It's not even that great of a thing, but it has like, you know, if you have a proper shiller shilling the thing, that does make a difference, right? Like, because if they have 200,000, 300,000 like diehard, rabid followers, um, then obviously the thing's going to pump. And all you have to do is get momentum going. And once the velocity's there, the leverage traders want to play and they start coming into the mix. So, and then the thing just runs. It's that simple, really. Like, I don't know, like you just have to have that, like it's kind of giving it a push off the mountain and then <laughs> the snowball will just keep growing on the way down. I mean, the proof of that is that if pretty much every coin that fucking wizard shills pumps to the moon. Yeah, exactly. So you just need that initial push, right? You just have to outperform just enough like the rest of the market that it gets the attention because of the green, you know, like the crypto bubbles start popping off or the, you know, whatever, the the green candles get showing up on people's apps and things. And, oh, look, such and such coin is up 10% today. Ooh, what is that? And then you go run and you go buy it. So all these alerts start firing off as well on people's apps. It's just the same old nonsense. So basically, yeah. No, my bad, Steffi. It's just the top mover list, and that's kind of what I was just elaborating on earlier. People see it. They want to know about it. And if they fucking see, you know, a few weeks prior, something ran 200%, their mind equates it to that. So they're like, okay, this is the next one. I'm jumping on. I just call that. It's good and bad. I've coined that the price meme effect. Price is the greatest meme in crypto. If number go up, number goes up more. I like that. (laughs) It goes up more, number goes up even more. It's just, that's all it is really. Like there's no, like the fundamentals have like, fuck all to do to anything. It's like, so that it makes you nervous when like, great example was like eGold. Like when I saw nobody on the timeline saying anything, I saw nothing come out out of the team. I saw no, like, like, I don't know, just in some ways that can be good. You know how sometimes you like, you don't want to buy the froth. You want to buy things when they're really like, nobody cares. I get that, but at the same time, it's like, you know, the bear market's already in 18 months or whatever. You're seeing still nothing from the team. You're seeing nothing up from the ecosystem. You're like, I don't know, is this really going to pump like this other thing over here where everyone's talking about it, right? So like, if, if you can't get that narrative going, then you have a problem. So I think any coin that you don't see people shilling it, it's, it is actually a problem in terms of the upside. Because the upside is pure hype. The downside, the bottom is utility. The top is hype. It's that simple. Like that's how you memorize this concept, and that's all you need to know in crypto, really. And um, if you don't like, I I, I underappreciated to some extent um, until I was sort of like when I was on stock twits or whatever a long time ago, and um, I would watch this play out coin after coin after coin. I realized, wait a minute, like you know, like I, I would be in Bitcoin at three thousand dollars or whatever, you know, like. You know, on, when I was on that platform, BTC was like around 3K or some 6K down to 3K in those numbers. And um, I, and no one would talk about it. Like you'd have like 20,000 people on that forum. And um, now there's probably like 500,000 to a million people on that forum. But like back in those days, you'd have like nobody talking about it. And then uh, only after the price goes up, then people start talking about it more. It's not that the chitter chatter leads to the price action. It's like the bottom is people that are buying because they figure these are smart money. They're not paying attention to social sentiment necessarily. They're like, hey, the froth is gone. I'm going to start buying, but they don't necessarily say anything. And then the price starts to trickle up and up and up. And then the, the excitement starts. It's pretty cool. Mm. 
Sefi, I have a question for you, buy sell strategy question, if you can hear me well. Yeah, you're fine. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, we had talked to us the other day, and then I threw a bag at Zeph today, and I'm stoked. But the problem was, when all was said and done, depositing mm -hmm. onto the exchange and then transferring into USDT, send it on over to Trade Ogre or something, and then buy mm -hmm. Zeph, and it still hasn't even been sent to a wallet yet. I'm down 9.5% fees of my capital. What strategy do you have? 9.5? How did you get oh. that much? Uh, Why'd you please? Yeah, bro. Uh, uh, buying USDT and then on an exchange like Coinbase, which is uh -huh. overpriced. I, I remember Coinbase Pro or whatever. That was money. But uh, doing that and then just withdrawing over to an exchange and then having to buy from USDT, so the buying fees as well. And I just did the math on the whole Zeth bag, 9.5% down in fees. That can't be right. That's way too high. Like, I, I, I know. I did the exact same thing, and it must have been like less than one percent for sure. Oh, okay, yeah. So basically, maybe half, if, a, half a percent, yeah, really. Yeah. If if I gave you X amount of dollars, and you said, okay, this is how I'm gonna deposit and then buy, and then also sell to minimize my fees when mm -hmm. you know time comes to buy and then sells us. How do you do that? Because even if it was five percent, that's still that's still a lot. So it's not. You you did something wrong. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like I mean, I think my. So one thing you want to do is number one, when you're transferring from Coinbase to somewhere, uh, you're going to want to send it on like USDT on like Polygon or something. By the way, the fee is like nothing. Uh, it's like pretty much near zero. Um, the other thing you can do is on Coinbase in particular, a uh, simple thing you can do is you get USDC because it's free on Coinbase to convert to USDC, right? Uh, okay. You send USDC via Polygon for free. Basically, it's free for withdrawals, I believe. Uh, it's pretty close to free, if not free. And um, I sent lots of money like that way to things like Mexi or whatever. Once you get to Mexi, you can swap from USDC to Tether for like relatively low, like I don't know, like probably 0.1% or something. It's nominal. And um, then you can... Um, uh, like from there, you can buy whatever you want. Now you could also swap to some other thing, like you know, uh, some other coin, Adam or something, and you can send it. But the thing about doing that is now you have like all sorts of. Um, if you have bags of those elsewhere, it might create like taxable events and stuff. You do different things. I mean, some, something doesn't sound right because I'm looking at my Coinbase. I spent two grand for a dollar fee. Right. Yeah, so it's so, not. something doesn't sound right, Matt. Like I think you calculated something wrong. This can't be nine percent. There's no way. Yeah. Now, when you're swap, so when you're buying Zephyr, if you're buying a lot at one time, you're going to face slippage. So be aware of that. So if you go in there and you're like, I'm going to buy fifty thousand bucks worth. Okay. Well, you're going to see some slippage because there's not that much Zephyr on the order books at one time. So you've got to go in little small bite-sized chunks when you're buying. So that's something maybe that got you. But otherwise, like I haven't, I didn't lose very much at all to any kind of transfer fees. It's very, very minimal, I would say. Awesome. I appreciate that insight. And then one more is looking at my rune bag on crypto.com app. That would cost. I'm, I'm losing you over there. I think you're. Matt, Matt you're cutting yeah, out. It's him. <laughs> you're going robot voice on us here. It sounds like you're a maverick and top gun with that black plane <laughs> about to blow up. He's in the Bermuda Triangle right now. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? He's in the Bermuda Triangle. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You were losing. Anyway, <laughs> not to get your connection back. But I think he said something about Rune on uh, on uh, Crypto.com. Crypto.com is a fairly expensive platform, actually. They do have some coins and things that other people don't have, uh, but a little bit pricier in terms of fees. But that's becoming the norm, guys. Like higher fees on U.S. exchanges is going to be the norm. Why? Because uh, these exchanges have a hard time surviving bear markets because there's not much action going on and they have to lay off a bunch of people and shit. They're not going to offer these low fees anymore. Those days are gone. So like the fees are going to be higher for smaller trades. And what they're doing is if you do a lot of trading, like you're a whale or something, then they're lowering the fee rates based on how much you trade. But um, so yeah, based on how much you trade there is how you get the fees. But anyway, um, the other thing is like another trick on Coinbase is on Coinbase, basically, the basic trick is if you want to move cash off of there, do it by USDC. It's all free, basically. That's the first step. And the second one is if you have that Coinbase one, uh, what do you call it, subscription? So if you have to move a lot of money, like you're you're buying and selling, you know, moving $100,000 here and there or something like that, then you're going to want that Coinbase one subscription. It's like 30 bucks a month, but you can do a certain number of transactions that are free um, per month or something, and it resets. So that can be productive if you don't do too many trades, but the ones you do are kind of expensive. You'll definitely make the money back on that um, subscription thing. Anyway, so some thoughts. Hey, I do have a question on that myself. Uh, you're talking about Crow. I was kind of zoned out uh, looking at something. I got a message. But so did you mention that if you hold uh, the Crow, like you get some benefits on the app? Um, I think true? you did it used to be really good. Like Crow had really decent benefits before. Like they had a debit card or something and you got all sorts yeah. of cash. Somebody was saying you get 1% cash back. I got DM that today. And then, cause I do hold some, but I just haven't transferred it over. It might be worthwhile. Pro's, just keep Crow's problem is it used to be really good. Like the, the benefits are really great and the benefits went to shit at some point along the huh. way. I was, <laughs> I was no like money market cap in the last bull run. What's that? I was like top 20 market cap. In the last bull run, hit ninety nine yeah. cents. Ran pretty good. Yep. Hello. Hey. Hey. Um. What is your opinion on uh, link for this cycle? I've been in the bull market in the past. I had, or still have fifty three Ethereum's, and currently right now I have eight thousand links. Uh huh. I just haven't been in the game for like three years. I just came back recently. I've been holding my bags, but I've been buying a lot of link, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are for the cycle on it. I bought. I basically quite simply bought more link than everything else. That would so if that so like if you want the hyper bullish outlook, you hear listen to my version. But um, the reason I did that is because um. Of all of the teams in crypto, they're producing the most stuff that TradFi is going to likely connect to. And how do I know that? Is because that's exactly like they've been working directly with Swift and DTCC and some of these other organizations to build exactly what those companies want and all of the features that those companies need in order to connect, uh, connect like blockchains to each other and to TradFi. Um, another thing about them. So some people don't like the tokenomics, like, you know, there's a fair amount of like 45% of it's still held by the Chainlink company or Sergey or whoever the fuck. And so the argument's like, well, they keep dumping on us and they do sell at regular intervals, by the way, they did like a few weeks ago. So that the argument is, well, it holds the price down some or whatever, but 
the thing is, it'd be bad if they didn't use that money for something useful. But in general, the amount of development they've created is one of the best sort of like experiences in DeFi or in, in crypto for developers. Like their website is fantastic for like onboarding new people. So whatever the hell that they've been doing, they've definitely done a tremendous amount of business development stuff, arguably the most business development uh, interactions of anyone in crypto, probably, if you really get down to the, like, the size of the companies they're working with, like legitimately connecting to. So I think Chainlink, to me, uh, is the bullish case of where the smart money would go of people that understand actual fundamentals. Now, does that mean it's going to pump like Solana or whatever? I don't know. Like it may not because like it may not have that mimetic effect that everything else has. But I do believe it's the one that like you're going to see interviews on TV with. You're going to see, I think Forbes just interviewed um, Forbes or somebody. No, Fidelity just interviewed Sergey Navarov, for example. Um, and you're going to get like the institutional players are going to take Chainlink seriously. Because they're one of the few things that can probably bridge real, real world assets, stocks, and um, stocks, and also um, uh, SWIFT, the banking system, all under one umbrella, bringing the entire system together in a cohesive manner. I don't see anyone else doing quite that. So the other thing about it is, like, where was the price when I was buying this thing? So I bought some in, like, the bear market at 7 bucks, 8 bucks, and then I bought some more, like, um at about i think my average is like 12 now something like that i bought more at like 14 15 so that's where my position is i bought a lot more after i learned about what they're doing and whatever but Chainlink has only had one impulse move off its consolidation range it has a long way to go so if you're asking me like what do i think the price is likely to reach i think that depends on who you ask a little bit but like if you use fib extensions like one extension off the all-time high puts it at a hundred dollar link. We're now at twenty at nineteen bucks at the moment. Uh, two extensions is one hundred and forty-five, and three would get you to about two hundred and thirty bucks. Because Link is only a cycle two, three fib extensions is actually feasible. That puts you at like two hundred and forty dollar link with the gigantic market cap. Um, and uh, right now we're at like let's say let's what are we at like twelve billion market cap. So is a 10x from here, like probable where you can get to $120 billion market cap? Sure. I mean, Dogecoin and I don't know, like XRP, everything went to these numbers at some point. So transiently, could you reach like easily get to 10x the current price, which would be like $200? Sure, it's possible. So uh, these things tend to follow FIB extensions fairly closely. So like there's one at 143 and another one at 232 off the retracement of this last year. So that's kind of like the numbers you could theoretically expect. Now, some people would argue also that, well, there's more circulating supply than before because Chainlink is unleashing some of their supply into the universe. And so the, the, the team tokens have never been through price discovery. So that's the, that would be the other way to, to think about that. But I think like all that stuff is just water under the bridge in the sense that many layer one crypto tokens or coins have very high inflation rates that exceed how much Chainlink is actually selling on any given day. Like most networks have validator networks that sell. Remember, Chainlink is not a blockchain. Its coin is just sitting there on Ethereum or whatever, but it's not a coin that requires, um, like it's, it's not a layer one type thing. So there's not a bunch of validator costs um, in the way that you think of with other blockchains. Eventually, as more people build Chainlink nodes for Oracle services, there's actually a fee generating structure that happens and eventually brings back 
um, like benefits to the Chainlink holder. But there's a variety of other things too. Chainlink has like eight different products deployed across hundreds of platforms, or I think close to a thousand platforms now. And it's a really true legit player in the space. So to me, buying at these levels, you know, before we reach all time high, anything less than about 30 bucks for Chainlink is probably cheap, relatively speaking. And I think that the downside risk, I calculate that at like, so during the bear market, um, Chainlink basically floated between $10 and $5 for one and a half solid years, like a very long consolidation and just kept going up and down, up and down sideways. The odds that you're going to go down back to that level in the beginning of a bull market with Bitcoin running where it is and ETH running where it is, the odds of that are very low at this time. Like to say that you're going to buy a chain that can get at $10 is just sheer greed at this point. So let's, and then we had like almost a three to four month consolidation between October and January of like between the price of $12 and around 17 bucks. So it actually just started breaking out of the $17 range. And um, so it's only had one impulse move off the bottom. These parabolic moves, if you sort of understand parabolas, like you usually have during a bull market, you'll have like three, four, five, six, seven of these sort of bases that form. And then this parabolic move just continues upwards. My guesstimation for Chainlink, like when I would, when would I be comfortable selling a bunch of it? It'd be probably like at 140 bucks. I'd be really, really comfortable selling there. Could it go much higher? Probably. But like I bought low enough that I don't need to write it all the way to the top. So, so like that's a thing. Like it depends on what you're trying to get out of it. But hopefully that answers your questions. Like um, I, I look at it from like if I'm putting a ton of money in this, if it goes down in value, let's say to twelve bucks again for some reason, would I be comfortable with the likelihood that it's going to go back to twenty bucks again? I'm very comfortable with that concept. Meaning like I have no doubt whatsoever it's going to get back to prior high in the sense that if any other coins can get back to prior high, like the Solanas and other BS coins in the world, the odds that Chainlink goes back to prior high in my head, if everything else has done so, is basically near like near 100%. So I'm very bullish on the idea that like, to me, prior high of like Link would be like 53 bucks. That's like, like almost a given for me at this point. I'm not even questioning it at all. That's how I think about it. Now, will it do this? And am I going to be right or whatever? It, I could be entirely wrong about everything. So just don't, don't put your life savings into anything on my advice. But like my largest bag is Chainlink for these reasons. Yeah, my largest bag is also Chainlink at the moment. I also have a bunch of Ethereum. Um, I've just been out of the crypto space for a while. Just curious to your thoughts, but I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're just getting started as far as like the bull market really in theory ended when that consolidation ended probably about October, and then broke out from there. So we're really at the very sort of early phase. Yeah, this, this is like you're in 2020, back in like, I don't know, after the COVID crash, we're like, you know, in, in you know May or something. Like, you know, that's that's where we are cyclically. Yeah, honestly, my average price on Link right now is 19 bucks. Seems okay, but I'm comfortable yeah, holding it though. Right, right about here. So you're, you're good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you should be, you should be fine. Because remember, like the the fib level for Chainlink is at twenty one dollars, and then there's one at like uh, thirty one dollars, uh, but there's relatively low volume resistance um, past about twenty five bucks. Yeah, I'm currently looking at the impulsive move. Once it breaks twenty one dollars, I'm looking at it to really explode. After that, it's kind of struggling at the moment. Yeah, right. twenty twenty one. There's a fib level right there, and there's another one at thirty one, basically, and. 
the volume profile shows a lot of history traded volume at about 26 bucks. I would say like past 26 bucks, it's like open skies pretty much at that point, I would guess. Yeah, what's just curious, uh, just a random question. Uh, what's your time frame? Do you think it would hit those all time highs? So I, I kind of I did a little bit of uh, I did a little bit of like trajectory plotting here. Last time link was at four dollars and like 76 cents or so. Um, or like, let's say five bucks to all time high took 306 days. That was last season. Um, this time, uh, Chainlink was at exactly that same level, like $4.80. It was there in like mm, June of 2023. So we have already gone like a most of the way, you know, you know, most of the way along that 308 days. Um, I have a, a flag posted on my chart at April 15th for all time high break. If you go based on that timing. So, you know, is it possible for it to do the exact same thing it did last season? Yes. Why? Because last season, that price range was the top of the uh, top of Chainlink's price. Because remember, Chainlink started at like 35 cents or some shit like <laughs> back in 2029. So you're talking about that's the top of the range. In this instance, we're at the bottom of the market. It's like the beginning. And so we're starting from a completely new level. And but you're also at a higher market cap. Higher market caps take a little bit longer. I would be nervous about Chainlink being able to move with this velocity if they hadn't built so much shit. But like, it truly is one of the most astounding um, buildouts in crypto in in some time. It's really impressive. So the fundamentals are also super bullish. Besides the fact that the chart generally is. So when you add the two together, to me, it's like a you know the odds of reaching quite literally the all time high within uh, by April is very high in my head. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Sounds good. I appreciate it. So yeah, there's I, I've kind of like worked this out pretty carefully because I've got a, a fuck ton of money I bought Chainlink. So it's like it, it would behoove me to have a theory about how how this goes. You, you and I are on the same boat. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, but you know, but at the same time, it's like it's crypto. You 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 only want to get into these things when you're in a position to make a nominal five x. If you're not making at least a five x on whatever your bags are, like um. You're taking a lot of relative risk for relatively low downside in this, right? So you you want to make sure that you're getting in early uh, enough to where you get the upside. And I think like yeah, like Chainlink going back to the hundred dollar Chainlink meme. You remember that last season we never got there. The odds where that meme is going to drive Chainlink to a hundred is pretty high this season. So at the worst case scenario, if you sold at a hundred bucks, you're still at like a five x from here. So like. Uh, but yeah, you don't have to wait for, um, like, you know, the very top or something like that. Something about the fib levels, by the way, you almost always find resistance at these fib levels, all time high break, not so much, but the next level above that, like $102 chain link, it wouldn't surprise you at all if it dipped back down to 52 bucks again and retested it. So you can legitimately sell at a hundred dollar chain link in, in a sense and go, wait a minute, like I'll just reevaluate and see how things go. If I dump 20%, maybe I'll buy my coins back, right? So there, you might be able to make a trade here and there. But of course, like there's a taxable event and shit. Um, but if you're in long-term capital gains already, because you've had your chain link a long time, you might be fine, right? Like whatever, you get 20% capital gains. But if you can get back, you go ahead and pay your taxes, but you get back 20% more coins, you're basically even, right? So uh, it could be actually fine in that sense. But anyway. No, I'm here to make some money this time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 
Seppi, is it all about just the uh, the tickers up top, or is there other ones that you're open to talking about? Oh, I don't care. We just, yeah. is, what, are you familiar <laughs> with Bear Chain? These, these, uh, these, these tickers are like uh, just random stuff, and Bruce okay. always makes funny before It's just been a while since I've joined you, and like I said, it's always <laughs> you and Bruce. I think he's actually even in here listening, I saw. but No, he was here, no, but uh, like, he hangs a ticker to like, something funny, and he runs off every time. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> that's great. But Bear Chain, have you, are you familiar with that project? I actually have a friend that knows the developer. And, I like, know the name. Uh, beyond that, like, I don't know the details of what the point of it is. So it's like, essentially a proof of liquidity instead of, you know, the proof of work, all that type of concept. And okay. it's, it's something new, you know, I haven't really, obviously that would be just provision of liquidity. I don't know how that system runs. And I was looking at their, uh, Twitter page. I'll tag it up top if that's cool, but it's ran up to about 700,000 followers. And I'm sure that a lot of that's botted. We all know how that works, but they have good engagement you know, could be bought it as well. But I think it's a layer one. And I don't even personally, like, just from my glance at it, that's why I was going to pass it to you. I don't even see the coin. And I know somebody that was like, yeah, like I know the developer personally made a shit ton off of Bitcoin. It's one of my buddies that has a car dealership. And uh, he just is briefly mentioned it. Yet? Is it out yet? Or is it? Still no, out? I don't think so. And that's what he was like, yeah, it's coming out 420. And I'm just like, I don't even see anything about this. I just see the page. I'll tag it up top right now. I'm just so April 20. Okay, I'll put it up. Let me see if it's on CoinGecko yet. Um, it's B-E-R-A-C-H-A-I-N. There it is. Yeah, I went to the website and played around with it. Um, who knows a little bit about this thing and has been like uh, paying attention is Wabi. Um, oh, okay. This is one of those where like if you... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll add it to my like portfolio watch list or whatever. Yeah, it's just odd. So there's actually a coin. What's the ticker on it? It's B-E-R-A. Huh, okay. Yeah, I, I guess I just didn't think to type it in. But I was just looking at the, the introduction, layer one built on the Cosmos SDK, powered by proof of liquidity. What you, have to be, what you have to be careful with with Cosmos new releases is when these things get released, sometimes they're released at an obscene market cap. Like the initial coin price offering is too high and gotcha. sometimes is during a bull market everything sort of pumps during a bull market but man these things can burn to like minus 99 percent during the bear market so you just have to be aware that like the timing of the release here here's the deal this is what these teams do if you release during a bull market the team knows that a bunch of people wanted to ape into fucking everything so what do they do they take advantage of everybody they price the coin higher and they have more of the team tokens allotted to themselves because they figure every retard is going to come and buy and they can like sell to the, you know, dump on the retards heads. That's the idea. The chains that kind of open in a bear market, like say for example, Kajira who are much more fairly launched who have a much more like ethical team or whoever. And I'm not saying bear chains, bad people. I have no idea. I'm just pointing out like the, the common problem you have to watch for is that during a bull market, the coin typically favors the team more than it favors you during a bear market. The teams have oftentimes, they know not a lot of, not a lot of liquidity is coming along. They know they have to wait and have to be patient. And they know that their coin when they first release is not going to be worth shit and they can't really dump on you or whatever. So like, it's a different concept. So this is the thing to be nervous about going forward with, any of these coins that are coming out soon. Um, like if you looked at Andromeda was released recently, 
Um, what else? Um, Dimension was released recently. Um, and it's not that you can't make money on these. I'm not saying that. Like, I'm not saying you couldn't 8-bit and it's going to 2x or 3x or whatever. But man, on these things, be super careful. What I've done in almost every one of it, I've just taken my 3x and walked away. I buy it the day it comes out, where every retard is going to come and buy the thing. It pumps. I sell immediately. And I'm out. If you think you're going to be able to like time it after the first two days, get out of here. It's like it's it's you're going to be. Um, it, there's a possibility that like um, it doesn't pop as much as you think, or even if it does, who cares? Make your three X and get out, and then you can reevaluate later. And then what you can do is, let's say you love that project, you're like, oh, it could be amazing. All right, you made your three X, put it into cash, wait for the next bear market, and buy it then. <laughs> like you know, that's the thing. So patience does help um, for some of these kind of like fresh coins. Uh, especially when the valuations are fucked up. Like if you see like, oh, the coin is worth a billion market cap and the the fully diluted valuation is 20 billion market cap. Yeah, to some extent, like, you know, FDV is a meme and like nobody cares. So like if the thing pumps from 1 billion to 3 billion market cap, wonderful, get out, right? Like get out. Um, and I think that's the same thing to do. Um, do not let VCs and whoever the fuck else take advantage of you. That's a basic rule. Um, and like many, and you know where this is even worse in like DAP coins and shit, you know, like when you, and you, when you get into the next six months, there'll be a bunch of little coins released on Solana or they'll be released on, um, whatever, right? Like whatever, whatever the platform that you have, like you're going to have, um, some DAPs that get released and those DAPs, the problem is the, um, their tokenomics are even worse than the layer one tokenomics. And at least the layer ones, you're pretty sure someone's going to buy that shit in a bear market. So you can be a bag holder. The dApps, you have no idea how, not only are they going to 99% down and more than likely you're buying too high because the initial coin price is too high. Um, but on top of that, they don't go back up. So you're just basically a bag holder forever. And that's, that's the concern. So yeah, the farther down the the, the the risk curve you go, just be aware that the odds you're going to lose your money or actually start to become exponential. Um, and like, there's so many sure bets in in crypto in some sense. Like, like if one wanted to really, really gamble and just take risks, like shit, you could just go and like, you know, take a gamble and take risk on Bitcoin or something and do leverage or whatever. Like, you don't need to necessarily have something that's going to go to zero in order for you to to take on risk. So. I think that's the thing. Like, be careful with those those random coin launches. And the farther you go into the bull market, the more fucked up they become. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. Um, but you know, you know, I'm not saying don't learn about these things and play, but use small amounts of money. I think, like, we say that, and then people think, oh, the next new chain's coming. I'm going to ape in. I'm going to be a billionaire because so and so did it last on the other coin. Each of these coins and their launches are not the same. Like the the market caps and the FDBs, all that shit is not the same. You can't just simply throw a bunch of money and pray to Jesus. Like you could literally like drop like 90% or whatever. And then you're like, oh, and then it might go up from there, but you've now you're down 90%. So like you would have to make a ton to get your money back. And in the meantime, a bunch of other coins and shit are going to pump and you're going to be like, take, you're going to go from something that could have three X and you thought you were going to get a hundred X on something, but now you're down 90% while you're waiting, watch, watching other shit go up. So that's the thing, like be cautious, especially in Cosmos coins, because like, Oh, I don't know. Like there's so many of them and they tend to pump like crazy for a brief period of time in bull markets. And then they get completely wrecked in bear markets. Um, and a lot of those teams have really tokenomics that favor the team way more than you. 
Oh, and don't forget the airdrops and shit, by the way, man, like Bearcoin or whatever. Who knows how many airdrops are going to whatever holders of Atom or whatever else. So that can be good in that, like, you bring a bunch of new users in that might buy the coin. But it could also be just that more dilution of people that are going to sell when it goes up. So um, a good example recently, like, I'll point out how I did one of these coins. You can see, like, you can critique this a little bit and see what I'll tell you what I did. So Dimension came out. Um, let me see if I have the date here, but like I think it came out like uh, in I think like February sixth or something like that, and so it opens up and initially opened up I believe on Osmosis, so it was down at like two dollars or something, and I should have aped it instantly, but I was paying attention to something else and I was being stupid and I was like anyway, but I I, I waited for a second, so I didn't buy it till like it was like four bucks. All right, fine, so I buy it. At Actually, maybe three fifty. So I bought it like three fifty, and I bought a little bit, and then it it doubled on osmosis to like nearly eight bucks or seven fifty or something. And I'm like, all right, I'm like I sold my I sold half of it, and I'm like, I'm out of here. Um, I took that half, and I bought Zephyr like twelve bucks. It's now at twenty five. So one half I just put it in something I wanted for, with conviction. The other half I took it and uh, kept it. So I just have my dimension now. It's currently at about seven dollars and fourteen cents. Its current market cap is one billion already. The current, the fully diluted valuation is seven billion, which is basically absurd. Um, so, like, if this thing ten x, is imagine the fully diluted valuation is you know seventy billion dollars. It's just ridiculous. Um, what's on this chain? I don't know. Is it worth a billion dollars? Oh fuck no! And you know how much liquidity is in this thing? Probably like fifty million bucks, if not that. Like maybe not even that. Maybe maybe $20 million. So these market cap numbers mean nothing. It's basically whatever coin price was listed at whatever value. And it pumps on a situation where there's only bids and, and no, um, like with no sellers, basically, it's just basically up only. But then when it starts to go down, there's really no liquidity so that when everyone starts to exit, it just dumps into oblivion. Um, now it's early enough in a bull market, you can do gambles like this, you can do whatever the fuck you want, because everything's probably going to go up. So that's why a lot of people like to gamble on new coins. But if you do this, like it's like you mark the date exactly, know exactly where it's going to open, have your funds literally ready for the exact moment and get it like instantaneously. Do not hesitate. If you're going to FOMO into something, FOMO early. Like I can't provide any better advice than that. Like because the reality is these things go to irrational numbers anyway. And if you're just going to gamble the irrationality, do it super, super early. And that's the the way to look at this. But like you know, if you just had waited like five days, the thing had already gone to $7.80. It's market cap's a billion dollars. Why the hell would I want to buy this at a billion dollar market cap? Am I retarded? Like, it was just like, it was just like half that, like a few days, two days before. It makes no sense. And then not only that, but the, if you look at other market caps of things, like for example, you know, Zephyr's at 50 million or 70 million. It's just like, it's, it's just, just there's a lot more like if you want to take risk in things there's just way lower market cap things to take to take risk on why would you want to get something some vc high fdv thing uh with it's not fair launched so that's the the way to look at these like uh gamble them but do small amounts of money and that's kind of how you want to do it so if you got a question for you how are you processing layer two this season uh like imx matic arbitrum and optimism um like, I think if ETH runs, all of those things tend to run. Um, so I think it really depends. Like, if ETH goes one FIB extension off its high, which would be like 10K ETH, 
then all of these things are going to pump, obviously. Um, they have terrible tokenomics to a large extent. So, like, am I buying much of those? No, I bought a little optimism for a little gamble briefly. But that was it. And it went up a little bit. I sold it and that was the end of it. I didn't really play too much on them. That's not to say you couldn't make money on them. Like, don't, don't, uh, Take that to mean they won't go up. Everything pumps in the bull market. I just feel like, to me, my my safety choice was Chainlink. Uh, my like high upside type of gambles were, and I use the word gamble quite literally because like yet <laughs> anything can happen. But my high upside gambles were Zephyr and um, Kujira because of the relatively like fair launch type of like methodologies that they used. So. Um, these are things that like, if I'm a bag holder next bear market, I won't, it, I won't mind. Right. Like what if the market tanks for some reason, the stock market crashes, new world war three emerges, who the fuck knows? Right. Like, so like if you have a market crash anyway, um, Oh guys, I think I've got to drop off. I might come back later, but I've got uh, a phone call coming. That I have to take. So hopefully that was all helpful today. Um, we'll catch you next Thanks, guys. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape them under the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets. Dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments. Red dead Days. Got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these tokenomics They probing this bear, flexing broken Honest, I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting honest And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic Never known the politic, I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom Over the impossible loss, it's all moss And I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning, forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come, first serve mentality Teeth stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and blunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay Stacked and non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns, white knight and all these Maybelines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community all these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and blunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served
Basics. <laughs>